0: And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley. Not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So, if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Monster Talk is
1: supported by listeners like you. Find out how you can contribute via Patreon or with reviews at monstertalk.org/support. Your contributions, large or small, make a huge difference. Thanks.
2: Well, there's a lot of equipment that we use. Uh, There's a lot of equipment that you guys never see on the show. But some of the things that that they do see on the show a lot of times, the thermal imaging camera and also the K2 meter.
0: Yeah, now this just measures magnetic fields and certain frequencies. None of our equipment is really intended to be used for paranormal investigation. They don't really make that stuff so we have to kind of cannibalize from all around us, and this a lot of our tools come from electricians. All right, as you can see, we've got the thermal, we've got the wall here. If so I walk over, and I put my hand on the wall. One, two, three, four, five. You still see that we've got the handprint.
1: We get some
3: of our most compelling evidence using this. Um, basically, all it is is a recorder. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before.
1: Dog. Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith.
3: And I'm Karen Stolzner.
1: This is part one of a multi-part conversation about ghost hunting gadgets. We'll continue this discussion in near future episodes because I'd like to dig deeper into the physics described by amateur ghost hunters as compared to how physics is actually used in science. But for this episode, we're going to focus on the equipment and technology used in amateur ghost hunting. Joining us for this discussion is Matthew Baxter. Matthew spent many years investigating ghosts, performing stage magic, doing tours of haunted sites, and, if you didn't know it, he's also Karen's husband. We hope you enjoy this conversation about a topic all three of us really like.
3: Monster Talk.
1: Welcome to Karen, who's always here, and Matt
3: Often
1: here. Bachter? Bachter? How's this pronounced? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Buster. Buster, Buster.
3: <laughs> he has had that before, too. Uh,
1: ghost is my middle name. But, <laughs> 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 but seriously, yeah, so, so yeah, Matt Baxter, I, uh, I've known you guys for a long time. But um, I can't, it's been. Too long. I know we've, have we ever done a monster talk with all three of us? It seems like we have, but I can't remember. We have and We
3: have Ray Garten too.
4: Ray Garten, Yeah. That's uh, right.
3: Yeah. Five or six years ago. It's been a while. And I think he was wanting to reprise that too. And to, I think just with everything that's been going on, he was wanting to come back on the show and talk again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like Ray. He's fun. Um, Yeah. that was our, uh, uh, I can't remember what I called it. Uh, Something about Connecticut Yankee, but it was like it was like a takeoff of the Connecticut Yankee King Arthur's court. Oh, King Arthur's court—that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: That's it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. So big old pun. Yeah, yeah. I'm terrible. Anyway, well, Matt, uh, we're 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 having you back to talk about ghost hunting gadgets. But before we just like dive in on that topic, I, I thought it might be useful to sort of back up and explain. Who you are and what your experience has been in this this field and and how you, if you want to talk about it a little bit, how you came to your current position on this matter.
4: Sure, sure. Um, I've been, I guess, uh, in the realm of ghost hunting, paranormal investigator, whatever you want to call it. I've been doing this kind of thing for probably 27 or 28 years and uh, have worked with a number of groups. And uh, you know, I got to a point to where I realized that with every investigation I was doing, with every uh, interview with uh, you know uh, claimants that I was doing, that I was actually not learning anything new. And that's kind of the whole point of investigation or research is to try to learn something, to get some new information to go in some sort of direction. And unfortunately, after all that time, Uh, it had kind of started grinding to a halt and, uh, made me realize that, uh, maybe I should shift my gears a little bit more toward, um, how people pull off fraud, uh, when it comes to ghosts and, and hauntings and demons and all that kind of stuff. And actually aliens, uh, it's another good ripe area for fraud and, uh, started learning a lot, a lot more, um. And then after a while, you just get psychologically overloaded, and you got to step back and take a look at the big picture, and and be prepared for podcast interviews.
3: <laughs> you can never be prepared for for this podcast.
4: Not this one. <laughs> Nobody expects the monster talk. Well, yeah, you never Took know. The
3: when... words out of my mouth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. so um... We've got uh, uh, you know uh, for people who we want let's like a a
4: funny- a l- a
1: l- say a oh, little, what, sorry. What, what no, I was just to say for people who want a little peek behind the screen for how we do this show we We've been early adopters to Google docs, and we we kind of <laughs> share information via Google Docs and you know do mm-hmm. you know behind the scenes chats and notes. We've got a cool list of ghost hunting gadgets here uh yeah, we to kind of talk some about some
3: expected and known ones and some rather unexpected ones too
1: i think so yeah so um i thought matthew with your extensive experience uh doing uh, and, and correct me if i'm wrong but you've you've done these uh, as you, would you would you say that your position on hauntings has shifted over time, I mean, did you start out as more of a believer and shift to skepticism, or did you all were you always skeptical, or or have you always been secretly a believer? And I'm about to be really surprised what you're going to say. But
3: <laughs> he was a skeptic, and now he's a believer.
4: Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Can you blame me? Um, it, the the uh, it, it's really interesting because you, you kind of get put in those two camps um, of uh, either being a believer. Which you know they all have their own uh, you know paranormal conferences and everything else, or you're a skeptic and they have their own conferences and everything, and and, and both groups are uh, kind of a real pain in the ass to be honest. Uh, it's it's good to keep an open mind. Yes, when you go walking into this stuff, it's good to just say I'm gonna see where the chips fall, but I started off um, being more of a believer, but. I did my best to keep, you know, a critical mind. Uh, but when you have the mindset of being a believer, a critical mind isn't exactly a natural state of being. So, um, it took a while, uh, of me discovering on my own. I mean, I can tell you my first real, uh, Scooby doo type, um, uh, experience. And, uh, I was walking up to this old house. Now this, this house was in a neighborhood that I grew up in and we all knew it was haunted. So when I had decided I was going to be a paranormal investigator, I went back to this house. I drove back to this town that I hadn't been in for a while, and I I went to this house and I took another investigator with me, and we waited until midnight, as you're supposed to,
3: mm-hmm.
4: and walked down the driveway, walked up to the house, and the house had been abandoned for years. Uh, so I walk up and I grab the front door, uh, the doorknob, and I turn the knob, and it's unlocked. So, of course, that gives me a really uneasy sense, and it also tells me, you're screwed, you got to go through with this. So, I pushed the door open, and when I pushed the door open, I looked back to see where the if my uh, partner was with me. And when I did that, I turned my head back around, and the door slammed in my face really hard. Wow. So, this <laughs> scared the crap out of me. I ran over the top of the other guy, down the driveway, and I got to the end of the driveway, and I said, wait a minute. I am not going to be a good paranormal investigator if this is how I approach things. (laughs) (laughs) So I walked back to the house. I opened up the door, pushed it open, and the door closed. I pushed it open and the door closed. And then I noticed that the the top hinge was loose um, on the door. So every time I pushed it open, it was going to naturally just close. Um, (laughs) And that was my first real good lesson in Mm -hmm. don't run away from everything and use a critical mind. And uh, that—that's been my most valuable piece of equipment since. You—you—you
1: describe that as a Scooby-Doo moment. It reminds me of my first Scooby-Doo moment. If you don't mind me sharing, I need to hear this. Yeah. So, <laughs> I was,
3: Scooby Snacks.
1: I was going to uh, watch horror movies. Oh, <clears throat> excuse me. I was going to watch horror movies over at my mom's house, and uh, hold on, I'm going to cough. <clears throat> Apparently, I'm breathing liquid, which is not right. Um. So I, uh, but before this was like they were out of town or something doing doing some work, and uh, I decided to go to Little Caesars. Um, and they had that thing where you Ooh, can get this like is scary. Well, yeah. So you could get like two <laughs> pizzas for like nine ninety nine or something crazy like that. And yeah, uh, still, I, I yeah, it was scary. it was a good deal. As you know, I was in college, and uh, I got both pizzas and put them in my car and started driving home, and I sort of started eating. Uh, pizza as I was driving, which is probably not a great idea. Anyway. That's more of a shaggy moment. Well, maybe it is a shaggy (laughs) moment because by the time I got home, one of the pizzas was completely gone. How can you explain this?
4: (laughs) (laughs) You should have gone back and said it's supposed to be pizza, pizza, and I only have pizza.
1: I only have pizza, exactly. No, It it literally did remind me of that, though, because I used to love to eat pizza and watch scary stuff. Uh, Wait, I still... Do that. Never mind.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I've never changed.
1: had one of those Scooby moments where, like, you get to unmask and it's old man Peterson uh, wearing a rubber mask. But I, I do love it when when you Jordan get those sort of Velma slash Fred moments where you really uncover what's really going on. I love it. So, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> well, we've got a moment.
3: huge list to get through here. So, oh, let's fine, get into these. Let's
1: stay oh, sorry on. for spoiling Always your fun. The the there's task plenty master. of
3: fun ahead. Uh, So, to begin with, I think probably the most popular tool used by tools are the EMF readers.
2: Yes. If you could tell us a
3: little bit about those and how you've used them and how other people use them.
4: Well, the the way other people use them, it's an electromagnetic field detector. And uh, what they do is you've got basically two different kinds. You've got the kind that that, uh, basically um, uh, looks for AC fields. And that's man-made. So your microwave, human-made. Your refrigerator, human-made. Uh, those are human-made. So your microwave, your refrigerator, um, things like that. It's it's that 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 human-made electricity kind of uh, uh, situation. Appliances are are big for that. Um, and then you've got the DC ones, the natural fields. Uh, those are uh, more like um, electrical storms or the Earth's natural electrical field. Or a human being, or a, you know, an an elk, whatever. I mean, it's it's going to be more of a natural field. Now, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the, a lot of the paranormal investigators or ghost hunters really rely on these, and they think that if they find a field, that it's a ghost. Right. But the truth is, the fields are everywhere, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's hard to not run into an electrical field. Uh, varying strengths. Sorry, sorry.
3: (laughs) I was just going to say, I've seen a lot of uh, ghost hunting TV shows where you've got someone who will run an EMF reader over themselves or over someone else in the room. What's that actually? And then it's going beep, 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 beep. What's it actually picking up?
4: Yeah, well, it depends on the kind that it is. uh, Because if it's an AC reader, um, it's still picking up, say, wiring in the wall and they just think it's picking up um, themselves or a, a spirit nearby because you can actually have someone standing near a wall and run one of those up and down their back. And it'll pick something up that something is strange standing behind them when really what it is, is their big body, which is a slab of meat, is reflecting that field back off of it. So that it'll read that field. So the the AC meters are not good for picking up ghosts, now the DC meters. Uh, in in a former group I was in, um, the the leader had this strong belief that if you're going to find a ghost with an EMF detector, it's going to be one of these natural field detectors. Um, I, I don't necessarily just dis- agree. I don't agree with that uh, personally, but I think it's good to be able to measure both kinds of fields. The problem is, is you see that theory floating around the paranormal community quite a bit, and mm. People walk around with these meters trying to find a field. And the problem is, is as they're walking around, they're carrying their own field with them. And that's what the reader will often read is their own field. And they're like, oh, there's a ghost here and it's following me. Not really. (laughs) It it seems like it's really challenging because everybody
1: these days, uh, at least here in the first world country, typically, well, even in third world countries, in a lot of places, they, they carry mobile phones they carry mm-hmm. watches. Um, they're walking around with flashlights. They, they've got all these different pieces of equipment which yes. can generate fields. And you're going through a house, and even if the if you go and turn off the lights, which seems to be a popular thing to do on a ghost hunt, you still got <laughs> exactly. electricity flowing through the walls. I, I don't mm-hmm. understand. I mean, theories about what ghosts are aside, the idea that EMF uh, spikes represent an entity or a... A sign of ghosts
4: seems really problematic. It is really problematic, but here's here's kind of the problem um, with ghost hunting. You have it the, the the romanticness of it being spurred on by reality TV, and the the real flaw here is people think that they can watch this oh so educated professional such as Zach. Bagans, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, bagans. on the screen. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's. I, up, I don't know how to pronounce such, it. He he's says bagans.
1: I did, I was just watching ba- 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 oh,
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. he bagans.
1: yeah,
4: he says bagans.
1: He says bagans. I, say I was just Bagel. watching Demon House uh, again. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, the things <laughs> I do for this show. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, Daniel Tosh used to call him. No, no, no. Stop, sorry, Joel McHale on uh, the Soup used to call him uh, Scooby Douche. Which amuses yes. right. to no end. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, but but uh, yes.
4: yeah, the gun
3: sounds very posh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry,
4: sorry, sorry, Matthew. <laughs> uh, well, the the thing is, is is you know he's up there acting like he knows everything there's to know about this. You've got Jason and Grant from Ghost Hunters doing the same thing. That they're so experienced, and they know so much. Um, and the problem is, is they don't know what they're doing. And by the time that they discover that what they're doing is wrong. They're already making so much money at it that they only really now know how to push it further um, to make more money. So you you get these people that watch these shows and go, hey, if this guy can do it, I'm learning all this great information from him. I can go out and I can do this. And uh, it's weird because you don't get someone that watches an episode of, say, House and then thinks they can go perform surgery. (laughs) but
3: (laughs) maybe a few
4: people let's let's hope not catch me if you can (laughs) yeah yeah good point but the problem is is that with this people think that they can watch a few episodes and and read some articles on the web and they're good to go they don't mm -hmm. need to learn about the equipment what it was originally designed for because emf detectors were not designed for paranormal investigation um (laughs) and since they don't know what they're actually designed for they're using them in the, the complete incorrect way. And so it, it's all problematic from the moment they turn on that TV. Yeah. So let's move on to another piece
1: of equipment. Um, uh, well, let's talk about the Spirit Box or Frank's Box, which is kind of ties into EVPs. And I don't want to go too deep into EVPs because I think that's worthy of an entire episode uh, yeah. on its own. We've it
3: on a few episodes recently yeah. too, but we'll have to do a mm-hmm. full episode on yeah. that.
1: It's sure. very interesting, but uh, uh, but these spirit boxes specifically seem designed to to help pick up uh, elect- uh, audio noise, which you can then uh, search for patterns. But that's my skeptical interpretation. How do you, how do you see them being used?
4: Well, it's it's basically a a broken radio. Now, uh, myself this absolutely lovely uh, in investigative. Uh, column writer at the time, um, interviewed Frank Sumption and uh, I can't remember her name. Huh. <laughs> I don't think
3: we've mentioned it <laughs> up to this point that you and I are married.
4: <laughs> I think it it was, it was, it was, it, it,
3: was, it was know um, already, but yeah.
4: <laughs> it, was so Blake, yeah, it was, come on. <laughs> it, it was Karen. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I froze for a moment there. I apologize. Uh, and uh, we had got to interview Frank Sumption and, you know, he fully admits that he takes a radio and he breaks it. So it no longer works. So it's a lot like when you would sit in your, your dad's pickup truck and twist the knob back and forth, uh, on the, on the radio. And, uh, you know, you know, uh, as it goes across the bands and, um, lots of fun, but we didn't know that we were communicating with both aliens and, and ghosts and other entities when we did that. Um, and that's what uh, it is, is he just uses random voltage to jump across the bands. And I
3: don't think um, the, the listeners know that you have uh, worked as a, a magician of sorts and that you've uh, led theatrical seances and you've used the Frank's box, because we have a Frank's box, um, a yeah. real Frank's box from Frank. Yeah, Frank, Frank uh, was kind you, enough to give us one. Yes, uh, to, to test and that you've used those in your seances and had some fun results in the past.
4: You know, it was fun uh, because what we thought we were going to have to do originally with this Frank's box was put an additional speaker inside of it to play some pre-programmed scary things that the ghost could actually say to the participants. But we realized very quickly we didn't need to do that. People are so ready to hear whatever they want out of all this garble, these bits of, of speech and music and everything else coming out of this thing that we can just prime them on what they're going to hear, and they will. Mm -hmm. So we'll start off and say, can someone in this crowd choose a word that we can have the frames box say back to us? And then if, if we can get at least three or four people that heard that word come through, then we can feel comfortable that we've established a connection with the other side. Is that reasonable? And they'll all say yes. And then someone will say, how about cauliflower? Okay, so we'll we'll just turn it on and wait until somebody thinks they hear cauliflower. One person raises their hand, and then automatically several more will raise their hand because they heard it too, and uh, we're good to go. We can have that box say anything we prime them to hear. Wow, that's and it was it was wild. so much fun. Man. Yeah, it was a lot of fun too.
1: It always reminds me of of two things. Number one is a bumblebee. From the Transformers. <laughs> exactly. That's He is the coolest Frank's Box ever. And the other is, uh, I, I used to do a lot of road trips uh, back before I had kids and can't get out of my damn house. Um, and, Tell us about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I would, you know, oh. late at night, uh, especially crossing the desert, uh, listening to Coast to Coast AM, you'd go... From one you know radio station zone to another, and in between you you could like set your radio to search and try to find signals you know to pick up anything to listen to and hopping yeah. between like crazy you know bounced off signals from Chicago or mariachi stations and all these different things, you never know what you're gonna hear uh <laughs> and and uh it's just little pieces and snippets, but you know obviously this is a little bit more. Well, weirdly, it's less directed, but it has uh, a more—I think—propensity to pick up uh, your own signals or you know interpret it your own way.
4: Yeah, I'm really sorry, Blake, but in my head, I'm imagining you in the role of of Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire when he's trying to find something good to sing to. <laughs> Show so, me the sorry. mummy.
1: Show me the mummy. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but as soon as free falling comes on,
4: man, you're you're I'm down good to go.
3: Yep. <laughs> Let's not do a rendition now.
4: <laughs> no, we, we we'll skip that.
3: Well, moving on. What about uh, cameras? Are you, I mean, you've used cameras in your own investigations and research, uh, in different yes. specific types of cameras.
4: Uh, a lot of different kinds of cameras. I mean, the the best one that uh, we've, you know, had luck with is just a a plain uh, camera, a a digital camera. Um, And uh, it's interesting because people seem to think that infrared cameras are going to pick up things or thermal cameras, which is something we should should talk about probably separately in a minute. But um, they think that just taking pictures in the dark is going to yield results. And it does. They get orbs and they get vortexes and they get all kinds of stuff um, because they're using a camera in a way it wasn't designed to be used. So Mm -hmm. the way we would use them is we would walk into a place and document how the place looks. You know, we would know exactly. I mean, uh, it wasn't long ago that Blake had sent a photo of a, a castle. Was that in Scotland?
1: Oh my God! I, I, the, uh, you mean the one like from like a week ago or a few days yeah. ago? Yeah.
4: Oh yes, yeah. yes, entirely. Yeah. That, that was uh, mid Mid England. Yeah, yeah, Mid England. Okay. Well, see, the thing is, is what would have made that really great is if we could have got another picture of that same place from the same angle during the day, or you know, uh, five minutes before five minutes after, whatever to see what has changed. And and that's how you solved it, basically, is by finding similar photos and, and being able to compare. Mm-hmm. So when we would go into a location, we would take photos of everything we could. That way, at the end of the night, we would go through and take photos again. If anything had changed, hopefully we would be able to figure out exactly why it changed, um, mm-hmm. such as hoax, fraud, or an actual ghost pushing something off a countertop, you know. Uh, but the thing is, is we would use it more as documentation rather than hoping we were going to catch an orb. Um, yeah.
1: You, we, you know, and, we should take a moment because I don't know what percentage of our audience knows about orbs, but may, maybe we should explain what those are and what the, the skeptical interpretation is.
4: Sure, sure. Now, now, orbs, uh, When if you just go online and do a quick Google for ghost photos or orb photos, you're gonna come up with a ton of these. But we've all seen these in pictures where you see this little white, sometimes there's other lighter colors, uh, light colors in there as well, but uh, usually they're white, it's just a circle seemingly floating in the middle of the picture. And these came about pretty much when digital cameras came about. So something changed when we went from film to digital that suddenly made ghosts, uh, which used to appear, you know, as these spooky specters on staircases and things like that. They just turned now into round balls of light. Um, but if you know anything about how a camera works, we have particulates in the air constantly. And if you've got a little particulates, a little piece of dust that floats in front of your lens say three to four inches away from your lens and then your flash goes off the flash is going to light up that piece of dust and and a lot of people don't really know that a piece of dust is not this perfectly round little thing but it's got a lot of different facets on it you know it's almost like a floating diamond (laughs) that might be a little too flowery but um it's it's, it's quite a it's, visual. It's, 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 not a, it's not a round thing, but it's got these facets on it. So if that flash, when it goes off, hits one of those facets just right, it's going to flash back into the camera lens. Now, the camera is trying to focus on something in the distance. That means that something that close will be out of focus. And what happens when something's out of focus? All the edges are blurry, uh, depending on how out of focus it is. So something that could be you know, quite I have a, quite a lot of texture on it becomes just round and uh, that that's how orbs have, you know, come to be. It's just dust. It's always in the air no matter how much we think that it isn't, you know, I don't see any dust. Well, that's because it's small. Um, it, and, and that's, that's the whole, whole reason. I mean, sometimes you can take several pictures in a row and you won't get any orbs in one. And then suddenly you'll get three in the next one. And that's because they're always turning and everything else in the air. And suddenly, one of those facets will connect with that flash, and you've got a big, beautiful orb. Um, a great way to really see how the air moves, though, uh, because, you know, we think that the air is pretty stagnant. But if you, like, take a fog machine and fill a room with fog, you can just sit there and watch how the air is moving in that room. Mm-hmm. It's never st- Stagnant, so. yep
1: I, I i do the same thing with a, a match a, a wooden match it makes a nice smoke you can sort mm. of watch the things move around uh it also clears up the odor if your kids are particularly stinky um i've
3: got two two comments at some point anyway when and this is something else you wanted to add like
1: i do but go ahead because uh, I, I want to talk about cameras a little bit more
3: Oh, so did I. Yeah, I just wanted to get Matt to recount a story. But uh, first of all, I remember going to a paranormal conference years ago, and this woman was giving a talk on orbs, and and she started um, by saying that she was really skeptical about orbs, and um, she said, you know, I I, I only believe that, uh, and I'm, I'm stuffing this story up now. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> Sorry, I could great. hear I could hear blade blade, and I think no, oh, you sound good. I, I
1: cannot hear it, so yeah, I think we're fine. Uh,
3: Anyway, so she said, uh, oh, I'm really skeptical about orbs, and I only believe that um, nine out of ten uh, are, are not all. Uh, <laughs> i the story. Oh, my God. You're How about great. you recount it, Matt, because you actually know this story, too. And, and yeah. can I, I can just Don't
4: worry. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard this, you know, a ton of times that, that a lot of people say that, oh, you know, 90% of orbs are all just dust. But it's that other ten percent, or or they'll say ninety nine percent. But it's that other one percent that you have to be careful. You know, it's whatever. You know. How do you uh,
3: differentiate between what's a ghost and what's an orb? Then yeah, let me throw out that the uh,
1: one of the interesting things is uh, most orbs are fake, but the ones that have smiley faces. In particular, yeah. you know, that, that's one that, yeah, and it's like, really? Because they do look a lot like emojis, but uh, that, that seems like a weird criteria for saying these are the real spirit
4: well, entities. Well, that's the thing, is if they, if they have texture, then they're more than likely a ghost. If they're just completely smooth, then it's just dust. But if they have a little bit of an orange tinge to them, that also means that they're demonic. So oh. you have to be careful of that.
3: Well, that makes it sound more plausible anyway. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, I, I do want to mention, uh, speaking of cameras, uh, you know, listeners will know that uh, uh, ghost photos is one of my absolute passions in this field. Um, I the Going back to, like, the Watertown ghost investigation, um, Bigfoot photos, you know, th- that's not particularly paranormal. But, the, you know, interpreting photos and trying to figure out what's really going on is – uh I would almost say I'm OCD about it. I really enjoy trying to figure out what's really going on, and um, yeah, I I know this one pattern that I see over and over again is that we didn't notice anything when we took the photo, but later when we went back and looked at the pictures that were developed, uh, we saw this weirdness, you know. And uh, one of the main things is uh, is we didn't see this. Per- there was nobody there. You know, Mm -hmm. and then also there's an image of a person there. And I I think it's worth mentioning how poor human memory is for what was actually going on at the time a photo was taken.
3: This this totally leads me to ask Matt to recount a uh, story about the Brook Forest Lodge in Evergreen. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about now.
4: Uh, Yes. And and I was I was thinking that I could also supply the images for this uh, to even have some uh, Patreon content. Um, Sweet! We love that. Yeah, if if people wanted to see some of these actual things. But uh, the the Brook Forest Inn is this beautiful mountain Brook Forest
3: Inn. I always say the lodge. That's the one in California I went to.
4: Right, right. Well, (laughs) if if you happen to pick up Karen's uh, great book, Would You Believe It?, the uh, photo on the cover is actually of the Brook Forest Inn. And um, the story uh, that, that I tell in the book is actually of the Brook Forest Inn as well. And it's a great place. I think a lot of people think of the, uh, the Stanley hotel as being the scary hotel in Colorado. No, go to the Brook Forest Inn. It's a beautiful, scary place with some great stories behind it. Um, and we kind of became the paranormal, uh, Oh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Uh, poster children. Post um, boys. I, so <laughs> I, I would almost say mascots. We were the paranormal mm-hmm. mascots of the place. So no other groups were allowed to come in. And and that's a good thing because previous groups had done some vandalism and stuff like that and taken some liberties that they shouldn't have. Uh, but that does happen a lot on investigations. Uh, so we were the only ones allowed in there because we respected the place. So anytime somebody else called up and asked to come do an investigation, the owners would say, you have to call these guys first. So they would call us and our stipulation would be, you can come do an investigation if you allow us to give you a class on how to do it. So that's a pretty bold thing to say to someone else who they also think they're experts. Um, But we actually had several groups that were like, yeah, absolutely, you know. Uh, Because they know we've been around a while, so they wanted to find out how we did things. So we give these nice long lectures to them and say, okay, you're free. Go off and do your investigation. Now, one of the things we try to teach them is is when you take a picture, pay attention to what you're taking a picture of. Um, Don't just kind of casually point your camera around and click, click, click without having some intention. Which a lot of people do. (laughs) Yeah, they certainly do. Um, So pay attention to what you're taking pictures of and take more than one picture of, you know, everything you do. Uh, So, of course, and and leave the lights on. Don't turn the lights off. You know, just a hint. Uh, It's not more haunted if the lights are off. So (laughs) they get in contact with us about three weeks later and they send us this picture and they say, we can't figure this out. This picture has us really freaked out. So, and it it was just kind of a weird blob. It was, they took it in the dark, like we told them not to. And, uh, it was kind of this weird blob. So, uh, we put it into Photoshop and, and, and brought the, the lightness up and everything. And it started to look like some kind of demon dog or something. Uh, but it was, it was kind of a terrifying looking picture. So we said, well, can you send us the pictures before and after this, uh, that you took? And they said, oh, no, we threw all the rest away. This was the only one that was interesting. Wow. (laughs) And it was like, oh, my God, did you hear nothing that we tried to teach you? You you keep every photo. Uh, You don't throw things away because they're not interesting because they can be educational. But luckily, we had taken tons of pictures up there. So we went in and we started matching up the shapes with clear pictures we took with lights on. and. Oddly enough, we found it. We figured out what it was, and uh, what it was Ghost. was it was it was a, it was a demon dog. It actually was. Um, no, there there's photos hanging on the wall, uh, the walls of this place in different areas, and one of the photos had some some scenes like maybe from Italy or something, uh, and there was this statue of this lion, and they took a picture of this picture. In the dark. Wow! And that was their demon dog. Pretty
3: impressive, yeah.
4: (laughs) Yeah, and it was picture of
0: a picture. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti, and I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure
4: of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, consciousness, philosophy,
0: UFOs, ghosts, or say Bigfoot. So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost
4: and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon.
0: Everybody shush William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of
2: oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Kat and Jethro box of oddities that is really mysterious.
0: Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby award winning box of oddities podcast from Airwave Media.
4: I mean, they, they, they got to spend less time trying to scare themselves. And more, times try, more time trying to actually do an investigation. Uh, you know, because, I mean, in the Brook Forest Inn, we've had some great experiences. You know, we've seen some strange things happen that actually make us go, we're skeptical. We don't necessarily believe in ghosts. But this place makes us realize we don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. You know, it's okay to say, I don't know. Just makes you want to do it more. And uh, and that's that's one of the great things uh, about the whole, the whole idea of paranormal investigation, but uh, those moments uh, unfortunately can get rare. So, um, your
3: experience there uh, that you recount in my book is interesting. I don't know if we've got time to tell it, do we?
4: Yeah, like, why not? I
3: mean, I, I wasn't there, but um,
4: a, we can make this a, like a three or four part show. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: for uh, Patreon people,
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. For uh, Karen's book, would you believe it? Um, uh, yeah, and Blake, you have a story in this book too. I would say that Monster he Talk fans does. should definitely pick this up because uh, I love your story. You got a great That's one. Um, but uh, you know, we're up there at the Brook Forest Inn, and it's a blizzard, and it, the the snow is just coming down. It's it's definitely a scene out of The Shining. Um, now the caretaker of the place, the place is completely empty, except for us and the caretaker and the caretaker is like, great. You guys are here. I'm going to go to the bar because he never gets to leave otherwise. So he leaves us there at the place and he goes to the bar. So we're but not the
3: bar in the, in the, the
4: hotel. Though. Yeah. Down, down in Evergreen. He goes down to Evergreen. <laughs> cause otherwise he'd be drinking alone. So, um,
3: just like the Shining. I was going to say, he's yeah.
4: always, the caretaker has always been there. going to go hang out with Jack. going to go hang out with Jack Torrance and uh, everything. But so he he goes down into Evergreen, and uh, we're left there alone. So we're investigating, and all of a sudden, we're upstairs, and we hear the front doors blast open downstairs, and people coming in and stomping off their boots and laughing and talking. And we're like, oh, great. He brought the bar home with him. And uh, we're thinking, this is just perfect. How are we going to do an investigation under these conditions? So... And we're starting to hear, you know, uh, glasses tinking and stuff, you know, as, as people are filling up their glasses and drinking and at the bar down there, downstairs. And it's like, okay, well, let's go down and see if we can kick them out. And, uh, we, uh, hit the top of the stairs where we can see down into the, uh, the bottom floor there. And the sound stopped immediately, just like someone had lifted the needle off a record and, uh. <laughs> That was really strange. We walked down, nobody was there. The doors were closed and locked. There was no snow on the floor. Uh, we looked out, there were no tracks in the snow. Um, you were all hearing this. The place, yeah, we were all hearing it, and the place was silent. And we thought, somebody's going to jump out, but that doesn't explain why, you know, there's no snow on the floor, why nothing's disturbed, there's no tracks in the snow. We just couldn't figure this out. So we went back upstairs. And found out that even after we had gone downstairs, they were still hearing it going on upstairs. And it was after we had been downstairs for a moment or so that it just shut off for them. And I, I don't really understand what happened. I can say that when a snowplow went down the, the highway out in front of the uh, the place, the plow, the sound of the plow would almost sing off of the the pavement as it's pushing the snow out of the way, that that metal bit against the asphalt. Um, And it makes me wonder with all the sort of, you know, white noise, if you will, of the snow, uh, just there, there, I don't know, that that drastic silence kind of has a noise of its own in in a sense. But then they have that, like a snowplow going down or a truck going up that maybe it somehow created some sort of uh, echo or audio illusion or something. Because, you know, that's another thing that, you know, we should also talk about is the whole, you know. Actually, yeah,
1: yeah, that's actually a perfect segue. Uh, I wanted to talk about audio equipment. Um, I know personally from my experience that uh, a lot of Ghost Hunters really highly value digital recorders with lo-fi recording capabilities. Because, and this is my interpretation, is that the less accurate the audio recording the more one can interpret uh, things in the audio resulting file.
3: Objectively. <laughs> yeah.
1: But 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 yeah, what kind of like, you know, you know, recording equipment that detects sound and then turns on automatically, that sort of thing. What, what what kind of things are you seeing being used by ghost hunters?
4: Well, yeah. I mean we see all kinds of things. I mean still from the handheld um mini cassette recorders. Um to uh, it it really depends. A lot of people are just using the equipment on their camcorders. Uh, we actually brought in you know decent recording equipment uh, that was you know computerized on the end. Um, uh, you know, the didio, digital you know audio hardware and everything, but uh, we really strived to get the highest quality recordings we could. And again, they were for documentation. They weren't for, uh, you know, we wanted to find out what the normal sounds were in the place, and if there was any pattern to them. Um, you know, in the Brook Forest Inn, for example, they would keep hearing these footsteps walking around, and we found out from our recordings that it was actually the furnace. Every time the furnace would shut down after it had run through a cycle of heating, it would thump several times. And uh, using a combination of the uh, our audio recordings to kind of, you know, measure when this sound would happen. Uh, we also used a, a seismometer to see the direction of the sound. Um, and that told us a lot as well. Uh, because, you know, if you're gonna have someone uh, that's taking footsteps, the vibrations are gonna give a very up and down sort of vibration. But if it's something more that's equipment that's causing the whole place to shake, you get it going in in all directions. Well, um, when well, you speak, look at the speak,
1: one of the most, to me, still creepy, even though I know what's going on, uh, uh, common illusions is when you go up a stairwell and the echo of your own footsteps bounces off the ceiling behind you. If if the, if yeah. the and and then bounces back. So like if you have one of those stairwells where the the, the ceiling's angled, uh, it's really really creepy. Uh, Like someone's behind you. Yeah, it sounds exactly like someone's behind you, running up (laughs) right behind you. And it's like, I can reproduce this in my house every time from the basement going back upstairs. Now, uh, have from, you considered having a, a
4: paranormal investigation group come over and check
1: out your house? Uh, my, my daughter, <laughs> we can
3: Maddie, a few. <laughs>
1: Maddie, yeah. Maddie wants me to. Yeah, no, Maddie's pretty, <laughs> pretty sure there's a demon down here, but I'm pretty sure it's me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> so, uh, we've got Geiger counters. You might say Giga counters here. Um, I don't know much about how these are used, and I've never worked with any uh, any groups that have used them. Have you? Uh,
4: no, we, uh, You know, my opinion on, on Geiger counters is uh, if you take one into a place and you're getting a lot of readings.
0: Get out. Get out,
4: yeah. <laughs> but not in the Amityville sense. Just
3: no, no.
0: Get out.
4: <laughs> That's pretty funny, yeah. It's
1: a different kind of get out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you've now got cancer,
3: mm-hmm.
1: so yeah, yeah, not not a good not a good thing. Um, I, I've worked in a nuclear reactor, you know, with the Navy, and uh, we we had to carry those badges that said, you know, if if you've got a certain amount of exposure, the badge would change color, that sort of thing. Um, but I I don't personally know. Uh, of any cases where a you know a radioactive ghost sounds really Scooby Doo, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: well, I just knew I knew knew of one group, and and they said we have a million dollars worth of ghost hunting equipment, and they had one, but uh, they they couldn't quite tell me what it was for.
4: <laughs> yeah, no <Right>. kidding. <laughs> they just the 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 bottom line is, is is these these ghost hunters that that go out and they do it as a as a more of a social type activity. And, and to be perfectly honest, there's nothing wrong with that because going out and, and, uh, scaring yourself like this is a lot of fun and it is very social and it's very exciting and it's a real bonding experience. It's great. So I, I don't really want to diss anyone that that does this as, as a fun activity, as long as they're not breaking into properties and putting themselves at risk by going places they shouldn't be. And we've seen lots of that. When it comes to equipment, they only want equipment that's going to give a reading. It doesn't matter what kind of reading. They just want a reading. And then they can interpret it how they choose. Sure.
1: I I was going to mention flashlights because um, that seems to be uh, a particularly hot item among ghost hunters (laughs) because they're using them to uh, as almost like a a magic eight ball or uh, a way to answer questions because the flashlights will go on and go off uh, based on the questions that they ask. Uh, Now, I know what the skeptical explanation is, but um,
4: do you want to talk about that a little bit? Um, Sure, sure. I mean, basically what it is, is they they intentionally unscrew sort of the the top of the flashlight just to where the flashlight, you know, they'll turn it on and they'll unscrew it to get right to the point to where it goes off. And uh, then they'll screw it back just a little bit. And uh, then they'll set it on the floor and ask questions of it. And um, often when the right question has been asked uh, and and the ghost has an answer, or if enough time has passed and the flashlight is heated up sufficiently to expand the metal, um, the flashlight will turn off. And that's their answer. They, they've received an answer from the ghost. Now they can continue to ask more questions. And again, when the ghost knows the answer to one of these questions, or sufficient time has passed that the metal is cooled back down, the flashlight will turn back on. And it's it's uh, it could be either explanation. And I'll leave it leave it up to the listener.
1: But but basically, it's it's either the ghost is turning it on and off, or the physics of Earth is turning it on and off. <laughs> <laughs> basically
3: yeah and they're in, interpreting it subjective subjectively right, right. anyway and
1: it's i just guess kind of questions like, uh, matter you know if, uh, should i take all my ghost hunting clothes off uh you know that's uh <laughs> really is important what questions you ask because yeah, speaking is, about
3: ghost hunting is. being social yeah <laughs> yeah i think it, a lot of people have used it for dating over the years too yeah.
4: Yeah. Well, you know, those little badges that uh, um, Blake was just talking about, about the, the radioactive uh, kind of uh, sensitivity of it. Uh, a lot of ghost hunters wear a badge that can tell uh, when they've got herpes. So what? that's uh, what? It's very handy. <laughs> Oh, he's
3: okay.
1: When d five. Hey, I, I, I did mention that I was working with the Navy when I said I was in a nuclear reactor, right? Because if I left that piece yes. out, it was like, why was he working in a nuclear reactor? <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, plenty of people work in and around nuclear reactors in the Navy. it's, it's fairly common if you're going to go out to sea.
0: So.
3: Sounds like a conspiracy theory to me. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> so we've still got uh, quite a list to go. Uh, what about thermal cameras?
4: Well, thermal cameras are are a blast. Um, they uh, they only only read surface temperature, but they are so misleading that it's a really a good idea if you're going to use a thermal camera. And they are very expensive, um, although the price has come down considerably over the last few years. Uh, they will reflect off of just about any any surface that has enough uh, shininess to it. Now, even a, a wall painted with flat paint is a shiny enough surface to reflect images um, or temperatures uh, off, off of these uh, cameras. And uh, so, it's it could be really hard to um, uh, interpret what you're seeing. Um, we uh, had had a picture. Of uh, that, you know, that we would show groups when we were educating. We would show this picture and say, what is this a picture of from a thermal camera? And it looked like a bathtub full of skulls. Uh, but actually what it was is it was a picture from a grocery store of uh, the frozen chickens. <laughs> and the problem is, is when ghost hunters use these, they always tend to see you know, a bathtub full of skulls when they should have realized it was just a bunch of frozen chickens. Mm, Um, So it is very hard to interpret. And and in fact, uh, Jason and Grant even kind of stole uh, a bit of uh, education from us, I guess you could say. Uh, We were on an episode of Ghost Hunters that's on the season two bonus DVD. the the bonus episode, rather. And uh, it's at the... um, Elkhorn Lodge. And they, of course, had to bust out the thermal camera. And there against one of the walls, clear as day, was this ghost, this figure standing there. And uh, (laughs) uh, so, you know, we're like, whoa, wait a minute. And we went over and looked and figured out that it was actually a reflection of some other things hanging on another wall that made it look like there was a person standing there when there clearly wasn't a person standing there. And uh, so we broke it all down for them, and they made sure that that was off camera. And then Jason got back on camera and goes, oh, wait a minute, I know what this is. And he explains the whole thing, and it's like, uh-huh. The we're just the token
3: skepticism.
4: Yeah, 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 because they were really good at that. They threw in a little bit of skepticism. It made them seem that much more real. Um, in everything they were doing.
3: The Elkhorn Lodge, and this time it's the lodge and not the inn. Um, There's a little interesting sideline story to that in connection to the Stanley Hotel. Can you just mention that in passing?
4: Sure. Now, the Stanley Hotel is known for all of its scary stories. And uh, a lot of these scary stories originated with a book uh, that was written about the scary stories. And it, it came out... Oh, at this point, probably 15, 20 years ago. Um, And it's the ghosts of the Stanley Hotel, I believe. Um, Now, the problem is, is when the author started writing the book, she was having a hard time finding enough ghost stories because there really weren't very many. Not certainly not enough to write a book about. Um, So down the road, the Elkhorn Lodge had a ton of ghost stories and uh, they were really rich, beautiful stories. And she went down there to talk to them, and lo and behold, the owner was selling, uh, the book for or the uh, Elkhorn Lodge, and she says, uh, "Can we have your ghost stories?" And the guy's like, "Yeah, I don't care. I'm selling the place. She can have all of them." So, a whole bunch of the ghost stories for the Stanley Hotel actually were transported from the Elkhorn Lodge.
1: Wow, interesting. So they checked out of the Elkhorn into the Stanley. Yeah. yeah. Which, yep, is, by the way, the I,
3: I, and it's still there.
1: I've never stayed at the Elkhorn. I have been at the Stanley, uh, and it's pricey. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep.
3: Oh, what is it about four hundred dollars a night or something? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's, it's, it's going up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You remind me also of um, that. There's. I, I've watched a lot of documentaries where they use these things inappropriately. Where they're like, "Well, how can you explain this?" They walk into a room and there's an image on the wall. <laughs> Yet, if you watch the way they cut the episodes, clearly someone was leaning up against the wall previously. You know, and yep. like you, you can yeah, literally absolutely. sort of see uh, that that those are really tricky. They use them in ghost hunting videos. They also use them in uh, you know Bigfoot hunting videos, and uh, yes. we don't know what this animal is. And I think it's important to understand that uh unless you've been trained in how to interpret thermal imagery um it's probably not safe to assume that just because you recognize a shape that you know what's actually there
4: it, Well, exactly exactly and that's that's really a difficult thing but yeah they'll have someone you know sitting in a chair and then you know they'll mystic you know they'll walk into the room and ooh the chair is you know a ghost was obviously sitting there and that's a confusing thing because ghosts are supposed to leave cold spots so, why would it be leaving a hot spot?
1: Yeah, a mm-hmm. l- little bit of inconsistency
4: there. Yeah, well, we then speaking of cold spots, uh, we found that one to be a very interesting sort of uh, phenomenon because, you know, the theory is that the ghost comes into the, uh, the, the uh, environment and tries to draw the heat out of the room to use as energy to be able to manifest. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is so many of us that look back on our our high school science class know that anytime there's a transfer of energy, the byproduct is heat, not cold. So it would be like putting your hand on the back of the refrigerator. It takes a lot of energy to make the inside of that refrigerator cold. So uh, it doesn't make sense that it's going to be able to draw the heat out of the air and yeah. uh, and create cold like yeah. that. Yeah. Part of my um, training
1: in the Navy was uh, in air conditioning. Uh so the the principle we always learned was you can't add cold, you can only remove heat. Right? Like yeah. that that's basically what you can do because heat's if you think about it, heat's motion um and, yeah. and uh, the the cold is a lack of motion. Although I think um it's such a common theory. There's probably some physics there you could do the math on where you would say what you're trying to say is you're going to turn the ambient heat of the room into work uh, to make something happen, right? And, if uh-huh. that, and, and how, how much ambient heat would you have to burn through to get enough work to move, say, a button being pressed uh, you know, that's a force measurement. There's a lot of things going right. on there. I think there's. it would probably be a really fun thing to put together some of the math on that and say, here's how much the temperature would need to drop to turn this much heat into energy to make, or into work to make uh, these things, you know, these phenomena happen.
4: I don't think exactly. there's enough. I don't think there's enough. No, no, no. And and that's the thing, is if there's that much transference going on, you know, it's it's not like... The ghost is a refrigeration unit, um, so I, I just don't know how how well any of that would work. But hey, we're talking about otherworldly physics here; it doesn't have to follow our physics, I suppose. <laughs> yep. Although you so, measure it with ourworldly <laughs> measuring tools,
1: like the, uh, the digital thermometers, to you know, or yes, I feel exactly. a cold spot,
4: you know.
3: Whatever theory works. Yeah.
4: <laughs> well, right. And with those thermal cameras, that's one of the big things is they try to measure a ghost in the middle of the room. And we're looking at something that doesn't measure. It only measures surface temperature. And if a ghost doesn't have a surface, it can't measure it. It can only measure what's behind it. Same thing with those, those uh, non-contact thermometers. Um, you know, we, we tried all kinds of experiments to see if we could get it to read something in the middle of the room, like a mist or, uh, even like dry ice smoke, you know, uh, or, you know, mist or a uh, fog or whatever, and could not get it to read anything but the wall behind it. Um, so there's but no I way that those things are going to read a spot. How can science explain this? Um, th- oh, well there is another word for a cold spot, uh, that might make it more clear. It's called a draft. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, like a, like a beer.
2: <laughs> well,
4: if if you're like any other good red-blooded American, and you like them cold, then yes. <laughs> no, 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 this
3: Matt doesn't drink. By the way, <laughs> room
4: temperature British lager crap.
3: Yep. <laughs> uh, we've still got some some more devices to go, and the the ovulus or ovulus, um, which you always joke sounds like the name of a birth control device.
4: Um, yeah, because it. Totally does. Um, that was uh, created by Bill Chapman uh, or Chapel Chapman, Chapel, um, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll correct that in post. Um, it, he uh, it's Bill Chapel eg- exactly. Chappell. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm trying to remember because he he made a whole bunch of little devices um, that are absurd. And it's interesting because you know he will even say these are for entertainment purposes only, but only to no one the right listens people. To that. <laughs> well, he's careful. He's careful about who he says it to, uh, also. But uh, the the Ovilus, uh, I'm trying to remember. I believe that was the one that would spit out random words, and uh, and and it's interesting because I was at the at the Robert Murch um, uh, Talking Board Society Museum. And, uh, there was a woman there walking around with her, uh, birth control ovulus. And, um, and I have to say I was working. Nobody was hitting on her. Um, (laughs) she, uh, she was just astonished every time that thing would spit out a word and it it, it it has a small uh, dictionary of words in it and it just randomly will choose a word and spit it out at at a random time. I didn't see uh, her
3: and you didn't point her out to me.
4: Oh, well, she wasn't around any time uh, that uh, I was with you because she was downstairs when I was trying to interview Robert, and um
1: that was the only time I saw Wait. her. so the device, you walk around with it and it randomly spits out words. so it's like it's, it's yes. like a a digital Tourette's device.
4: Exactly. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a great description of it. Um, so it's. Why it's was
1: she easy. assuming
3: that his place was haunted? I guess because of all the, the talking boards. All the talking boards. I mean, how could it
4: not be haunted? Mm-hmm. Um, those things are scary. So, yeah. The
3: Barbie and, and one in particular.
4: The Barbie one in particular, definitely. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, the thing is, is that um, w- we give so much meaning to all of these devices that, uh, it's almost impossible to, uh, remove that, that meaning, you know, if, if you're a believer, you can't, you, you can't back up from that. You've already given it that meaning. And, uh, no one can talk you out of it either. So it's, it's not to say that you're wrong if you believe it, but, uh, I will say that if you do believe that the words coming out of this device, uh, you know, just for an example, if you believe that these these words have meaning, meaning, uh, me telling you that they don't have meaning is you know who the hell am I to say that? So it's it's not a very good thing yeah to get that would be demeaning. <laughs> exactly. exactly, exactly. But
2: exactly. I
3: guess that's a lot like uh, people who uh, you know make meaning from from uh, things that they encounter. For example, uh, they've just broken up with someone and they switch on the radio and there's some kind of ballad or uh, song that just has special meaning for them at that time. Are, are you or specifically
1: person... talking about when, when a man loves a woman as played in the waffle house then <laughs> I that Kathleen broke up with me? Yeah. That's maybe. Exactly Thanks for thinking. bringing it up, Karen. <laughs>
3: <But> <laughs> <laughs> oh, all those times where a, a person's looking for an answer to a question that they have and, and they just switch on the radio or, um, you know, basically somehow words or a song or, or a thought come to them and they construe that as having a, A psychic significance,
4: yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And the thing is, is and a lot of times that's great if you feel a significance, you know, and a connection with that, uh, that it gave that moment meaning to you. Um, often that can be a very wonderful thing that no one should ever take away from you. Um, but but (laughs) like (laughs) someone should take that away from Blake. However, I I wish, um, yeah. Today's today's my
1: 19th wedding anniversary, and I still remember being dumped by this lady upstairs but no i i <laughs> <laughs> congratulations i think <laughs> yeah so, i can't account Good for her taste but it all worked out so.
2: <laughs> yeah that's true
4: that's true well the thing is is you've got um meaning being given to so much like this woman believing that because all these talking boards were in this one location the place was going to be haunted we have cheeseman park here in denver and because of the fact that there are still bodies from when it used to be a cemetery, there in the park, that park must be haunted. Now, we got to actually be part of the forensics team uh, to examine several bodies that were exhumed uh, from Cheeseman Park. And uh, it was a very interesting thing because when they talked about the evil Undertaker who uh, dismembered so many of the bodies as he was removing them, and, and a lot of the you know the parts are still there, uh, we actually got to put these uh, skeletons back together. Um, uh, you know, and, and they hadn't been complete in you know well over a century, so it was kind of an interesting thing. So, if this evil Undertaker was going through all this trouble of dismembering them, I guess we got to remember them. Hey, um, nice. Do,
1: would you say that that place was flush with ghosts because so many were interred? <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, no, oh. I would not say that. Um, <laughs> no one absolutely did. would not. But uh, uh, the the um,
3: we could do a, an entire episode on Cheeseman Park, and it we actually really, really
4: it cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah it Chester was it was an amazing park. experience, and I have to say that the uh, um the the city coroner um did not like my remembering joke. Um I can say that for sure.
3: <laughs>
4: but uh I thought it was funny. But no I I and, and we should talk about this again because then I can tell the horrible horror movie moment that I had there where um I, I turned as white as a sheet when I saw something that I was not expecting to see. But uh we we can say that for another time. Yeah, um, it was the morgue.
1: I was gonna say cheeseman's also <laughs> yes. uh uh, relevant to uh, the Changeling movie, right? Yes, mm-hmm. so very much so. Yeah, I would love to talk about that uh, in more. Well, detail. I think
3: in, doing an episode on that and one on the Stanley Hotel would be great.
1: Yeah, and, oh yeah. And, since I think we've all been to the Stanley. That would be that would be a, a really fun one, and I'm always yeah. willing to go back. I, I really like that place, not, oh, not because beautiful. of ghosts. I just, I just like it. I like, any place where the parking lot's full of elk, I think I'm in. So yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. It is pretty
4: cool, but yeah, and
3: there's a mini a pet time. cemetery there.
4: Yeah, the mini pet cemetery. But yeah, Karen and I had a, a great time, as there were all kinds of um, amateur ghost hunters uh, running around in their pajamas and pink bunny slippers. Oh, um, they're
3: like groupies following ghost hunting groups around.
4: Anybody dresses uh, uh, dogs?
1: Uh, maybe giving. Never mind.
3: Uh, <laughs> let me. That, that's for another time.
1: The uh, I, I, While we're talking about technology, I want to. I'm going to hop over to uh, one that I don't think people will expect to hear. But I, it's just. Uh, I love this idea that the clocks uh, are frequently a ghost hunting tool that most people don't really think about. Which people think uh, that certain hours of the night. Uh, are are particularly prone to ghosts. some people think midnight some people you mean think like 3
3: a.m. witching hour the 3 a.m. yep
1: yep but the crazy thing to me is and i say crazy that's not really nice but it, it's um the, the how do ghosts know what time zone they're in and and you know it, the idea of like that a clock uh, or or just the the whole idea of like this sort of uh, artificially uh, created structure around time has any bearing on what a ghost might uh, experience or feel? Is
3: it is it meant to be? Because uh, I'm thinking, Matt, you can uh, tell us about uh, Reed's haunted clock, but I'm wondering if it is uh, the time of day that the individual died.
4: Well, and that that's that, like with the Amityville Horror, that was the story three three fifteen was the time, but they also say that, uh, three, three AM is very significant, significant. Uh, so if, you know, you suddenly get this message, um, you know, from your dead aunt or something at three o'clock, um, it's, it's, it's because three AM is mocking the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, your aunt, aunt Martha is mocking the Trinity. Um, it's uh, it's a very strange theory, and I don't I don't quite get it. I mean, it's it's, it's obviously saying that there's a demonic entity if you're having activity at 3 a.m. But uh, then you like I said, you've got the other things where it's the time of death, uh, and then depending on it's all depending on interpretation and depending on what's happening. If nothing happens at 3 a.m. and nothing happens at 3:15 or time of death, then that's because when you're dead, time is not linear. So suddenly you can use that excuse. Um, so it's whatever suits your bias, really. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, and I, I just, how do the ghosts deal with daylight savings time? You
4: know, they're oh, a, sure the
3: uh, there, a they lot stayed.
4: of them really <laughs> protest. Yeah. A lot of them really protest, uh, especially like the ranch the ranch hands and stuff. Those guys, they do not follow daylight savings, no know no, how much you push it on them they won't We do get
3: it. that in Queensland in Australia too because it, it fades the curtains and
1: Monster Talk You've been listening to Monster Talk the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith
3: and I'm Karen Stoltzner.
1: You just heard an interview with Matthew Baxter, ghost hunter, magician, entertainer, lecturer and husband to my co-host Karen. Thanks to both of them for making time to talk about ghost hunting equipment with us. Monster Talk's an official podcast of Skeptic Magazine. The views expressed here are those of myself and my guests, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Skeptic Magazine or the Skeptic Society. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Talk. Each episode, we strive to bring you the very best in monster-related content with a focus on bringing scientific skepticism into the conversation. If you enjoy Monster Talk, we now have a variety of ways to support the show, all with convenient links at monstertalk.org forward slash support. That's monstertalk.org forward slash support. We have links there to our Patreon page as well as a donation button. Another great way to support the show is to buy books from our Amazon Monster Talk wish list, which directly helps us with our research. We love used books very much, so don't feel compelled to buy new ones. And we love Kindles, so we can share our digital libraries with each other. And finally, without spending any money at all, you can support us by leaving a positive review at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Positive reviews help keep us visible in iTunes, which is a great way to help us find new listeners. And please
2: share our show on your favorite social media platforms. Longtime listeners to Skeptoid and also to our colleague podcasts often ask, what can I do? We all believe in the value of critical thinking and of the intellectual tools that help us tell fact from fiction, but we don't always know how to best spread those tools to others. Well, let me offer one easy and effective option. Skeptoid Media, that's us by the way, is currently in production on a feature documentary titled Science Friction, about how the media abuses its science experts by misquoting them or editing them out of context, exploiting their reputations to promote sensationalized news or fake documentaries promoting debunked alternative histories. Part of our mission as a nonprofit is that we will retain educational rights to give this movie free to teachers worldwide, alongside complete, professionally produced educational materials to bring formalized lessons in critical thinking and scientific skepticism directly into classrooms. To retain those rights, we're crowdfunding the initial production. We're just about halfway to our goal right now, which you can see at sciencefriction.tv. You want to know what you can do to give the tools to students? This is it. We're asking a basic contribution of $100. If you're on the team, now's the time to take the field and play ball. Please come to sciencefriction.tv and make your tax-deductible donation to Science Friction. We ask $100, but any amount helps. Donate enough, you can even become an executive producer and get a legitimate screen credit sciencefriction.tv. Watch the promo and see our stories. Monster
1: Talk theme music is by Pete Stealing Monkeys. Thank you so much for listening.
0: skepticism want to learn the truth about the scientific controversies of our time then subscribe to skeptic the quarterly magazine stephen jay gould called the best journal in the field to subscribe visit skeptic.com today you know it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment i blame myself so do i well no sense worrying about it now why worry each of us is wearing an unlicensed nuclear accelerator on his back Yep. Let's get ready. Switch me on.